Hey everybody, it is me, Mike Catherwood. And one thing I know is that we all are short on time and we're all doing our best to save money, okay? That's kind of part of the deal of living in modern America. That's why it's so important that you take advantage of Honey. Honey is a fantastic tool that you can use on your computer, on your phone, and it really does take all of the busy work out of responsible shopping. It takes it out and it does it for you. Honey is a great way for you to find the best deal and to save money on everything you purchase online. Over 40,000 different companies and retailers. That's who Honey works with. What you do, go to joinhoney.com slash high and you get yourself Honey. You can put it right there on the toolbar on your computer or you get the app and it finds the best deals for you. It finds out how you can save money and it applies those savings at checkout. It couldn't be any easier. It's really just two steps and it's quick and it's free and it's there for you. There's no reason why you shouldn't use Honey. It's a great company and we're so proud to have them be a part of the high and dry experience. And I, I can't say enough good things about this product. There's really no downside. Sometimes things are too good to be true and you just want to find the fault. There's no fault in Honey. It saves you money. It's quick. It's easy. And you don't have to do any work. It does all the work for you. So go to joinhoney.com slash high and get yourself hooked up with honey and do yourself a favor, save money, save time, live a happier life. Welcome to a very special, like an after school special, that special, very special episode of Different Strokes, <laughs> Arnold is confronted by a pedophile and has to tell Mr. Drummond that he feels very strange. Uh, welcome to a very special High and Dry. Um, Jason Ellis, the one and only, is very ill. So ill that uh, on the day we record this, he not only couldn't make it here, he will not be doing his radio show. Um, so yeah, he's he's legitimately pretty sick. And um, I I totally understand that. And I, I give Jason uh, a... A free pass on this one because he he flew in from Aspen where he went balls to the wall. They were getting so much content on top of the radio show and doing all these videos out on the mountains where it was freezing balls. Um, and then he flew immediately from Colorado, uh, which I, I believe he flew from Denver. So he had to drive to Denver from Aspen, fly to LAX, and then go immediately straight to the studio to do the radio show yesterday. And I think he's just he just, his body gave up. Um, so Jason's sick. Uh, because of that, um, we thought, hey, let's let's change this things up a bit. Let's not go without a week without any content. And I will be here solo, at least as far as it goes with the normal hosts of High and Dry. But right now, I am joined by one of the men who actually makes High and Dry happen. The uh, I, 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 I call you co-founder yeah, of Control yeah. Forever. Produce it. Oh, um, of Control Forever. Yeah, co-founder. Uh, co-founder of the media kind of conglomerate that is behind High and Dry. Um, an incredible collection, a, a, a really a 
what I like to describe as a, a montage of everything artistic and pop culture that's going on. And that is control forever, control forever.com. Um, they, um, they're, they're pushing the envelope of everything that's kind of cutting edge and, and noteworthy in the worlds of sports and arts and, and music fashion. Um, it, it is, it is a real kind of renaissance of, uh, pop culture and everything important nowadays, even touching on weighty social issues and politics and things like that. So control forever is this media corporation that, uh, is responsible for putting out high and dry, um, and Shane, along with uh, a fellow who will be joining us a little bit later, um, if you can call him a fellow, I mean, <laughs> it's the jury's still out. He's been called worse. <laughs> um, uh, Shane Gilmore joins me, and uh, Shane's a good guy to fill in because you always have a lot of opinions on everything. You're you're big into sports. You're big into fashion. You're big into art. You're big into film. You're big into politics. You 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 like to dabble, and I and I. I feel like I'm the same kind of way. I'm yeah. not claiming to be an expert in anything, but I'm interested in everything. You know. Yeah, you and I drive that way. Yeah. We uh, also Neon Black a podcast. Yeah. That we did use to co-host. Uh, did. But yeah, thanks, man. This is this is rad. Um, well, being that you're a good guy, to, you're a good soundboard for a lot of stuff. Let's start with like the most pressing issues, and I, I got obviously the biggest thing in the world yeah. right now, especially here in Southern California. Is is Kobe Bryant's death? Um, I I had a different take on it than I think a lot of people, and that's because uh, I'm a a diehard Laker fan, and there's a lot of Laker fakers because they're such a great organization historically, and because there's so many transplants here in LA. Um, there's a lot of just people who show up at Laker games sure. and like to uh, like to make a lot of noise when they get to uh, the finals. Um, a, lot of, I, a lot of Laker flags show up. Yep. yep. A lot of Laker flags. And I, um, you know, my family has had season tickets since before I was born. I was there for the Showtime Lakers. I, I physically, with my eyes, watched them win a championship in the 80s. I, with my eyes, watched them win two championships in the early 2000s. Um, I saw, I was there to see uh, Kareem's um, number get retired I've seen plenty of championship flags with my own eyes at the Forum and at Stable Center get hung. I love the Lakers. It's a fabric of who I am. But not once did I feel like this sorrow for losing a Laker legend. I just, the whole time I thought, oh my God, he must have been so terrified about his daughter. Like I just saw him as like, I like I completely divorced Kobe Bryant from the basketball player and saw him as a as a guy, as a human being, you know. Yeah, I thought about that too. I mean, then you know, you don't know. We kind of know what happened right. uh, with the crash at this point. We just but know you don't know fog, how much time know, they like had. A, you don't know weather, fog, blah blah blah. Yeah, engine failure or some and, shit. And is that the first thing I, I'd imagine as a father? You're a father. I'm not. Um, that 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 runs through your brain is is you know protecting your daughter is something as terrible uh, as a helicopter crash. It's about to take place. But yeah, no, I'm with you. It, it's a weird, I had a weird response too, because unlike you, I'm not a Laker fan. No, you hate the Lakers. I hate You're the Lakers. Fan. And actually the, like the, my worst memories in, in basketball are the, the Laker dynasty with Shaq and Kobe. Yeah. Cause it just wasn't fair. It was not. It wasn't fair. There was no, there was, you know, you had those Kings teams a couple years. You had the Portland team that one year. But other than that, they never had any competition. 
Um, yeah, man, it, it's just it's it's really sad and it's tragic about the dot about his daughter passing away. Um, and I don't think we've ever had anything like this in sports where somebody this big dies this young. No, we had the Thurman Munson thing. I comes to mind because he actually died in a similar fashion. But Thurman Munson, God bless him. He was a, he was a great baseball player. He wasn't one of the top ten greatest players of all time. No, you know, and Kobe or you was, had like Len Bias, uh, yeah. you know. Um, but still, it wasn't the same. You know, that was relegated to a certain. We've never had an athlete of, of Kobe States. stature die. Not a global. Yeah. Not a yeah. So yeah, it, it's it's a it's I've never seen anything like this. The outpouring. Um, well, you know what? I take that back. Roberto Clemente was pretty baller, and he was such an important figure. With see the, that though, I don't even remember when he died. Oh God! Well, we were not born. It was yeah, it was so a but it was a big deal because, like I said, Roberto Clemente was like MVP level baseball player, and also was like a cultural icon to sure. the Latin and. Afro-Latin community, so. But anyway, I, I go ahead. It, but I would liken this, like, I haven't seen anything like this till you know, I think about when Prince died or when David Bowie died. Yeah. This is similar in that it respect. It isn't, though. In Let me way, tell you why. Let me tell you why. The reason why, and I think everyone is kind of still, most people are confused as to why this is hitting people so hard, and it is. It's rocking people. Is because with David Bowie, was illness. Illness got sure. him. And it happens to the best of us. Whether you're, David Bowie, or you're just some some dude. Uh, with Tom Petty, it was drugs. With Prince, it was drugs. With Michael Jackson, it was drugs. With uh, with Whitney Houston, it was drugs. You, you, there was a behavioral life aspect yes. to to every one of these major icons. When a major icon passes, it's a big deal. And don't get me wrong, when pass when Prince passed away, Tom Petty passed away, David Bowie, uh, you're like, whoa, holy shit! And certainly Michael Jackson. When Michael Jackson died, people were like, oh my god, he's dead. But you go, well, there were these life circumstances and they got a hold of him and 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 he died. He is human just like the rest of us. Kobe Bryant was alive Sunday morning and then boom, he's dead. Yeah. You I, know, just I, being a dude. Yeah, I think I just mean in the res the, the cultural response. You're absolutely correct on those on the circumstances. Yeah. But the cultural response were like, this has completely captured all of social media. ESPN yep. every single hour. Well, and, and regular about. news. They're like even even non-sports news. I, <laughs> the day it happened, it Sunday afternoon, I went to the gym. And every TV, and they were all on various stations, CNN, NBC, ESPN, every TV was Kobe Bryant coverage. Yeah. You know? I'm a big tennis fan. Australian Open's going on right now. There, every single player is doing something for Kobe. Right. On the, you know, the other side of the world, you saw the Neymar tribute. Um, yeah, I've, I've never seen anything like it. Um, it's tragic. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> I mean, what do you really say about it? The it, it was the guy had a the guy had a phenomenal career. Yeah. Um, even in I mean, how long was he retired? Five years, six years? We're in that ballpark, yeah. Something like that. You know, you could argue that that six years, at least as far as his image goes, was was a pretty good run for him. Mm -hmm. Well, know? and and um, the, the here are things that are different about Kobe than any other massive superstar. And I, 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 I challenge you and listeners to, to tell me of someone of this ilk. But I, I personally believe that for a, a, a iconic creme de la creme superstar athlete, Kobe Bryant was different than any other um, because he never even tried to be the good guy. Jordan, LeBron. Jordan there's Jordan to be a good guy? I think whether or not he... Jordan always had the edge, but Jordan tried with the media. He showed up, he put on the suit and he did the thing and he was affable. And he was like, Kobe always had pointy edges to him. 
And he never made any apologies for it. And then when his career ended, he did that amazing Nike conductor yeah. ad where he's like, look, I understand a lot of you hate me and I get that, but I'm I'm just a basketball player and I'm me and I want to do my thing. So I'm not going to try to, he never showed vulnerability. Like like LeBron, especially. LeBron will- LeBron's a good guy. LeBron will expose, Shaq will expose this vulnerability as a, yes, I'm a superstar. Yeah, I'm a baller. I got a chip on my shoulder. But man, you know, I'm down a little bit right here. Kobe was always this fucking laser-focused guy that no, you know, and, and Tiger was that way until the scandal. I think Tiger's the closest thing we have to Kobe. Though. Yeah. I think there's- But, but after I think the they're, scan- a per, they're a perfect parallel. After the scandal, Tiger changed. And where he, you saw a much more human side of Tiger Woods. Absolutely, you did. Because yeah, Tiger think- Woods, 2001, 2002, was a machine. He was a jacked, steely-eyed fucking machine <laughs> that, that just just massacred people on the golf course and and uh, and made no apology for it. And he did the fucking, he had veins coming out of his, with his fucking fist pumps at the end when he'd, make, when he'd win the fucking tournament. And you're like, ah! And he, and he never was like the guy who's like, ah! Oh. Guys, sorry about that. Let me calm down. I want to. I want to thank my competition. I want to say, you know, that I was really worried yeah. about it. No, Tiger was a fucking machine, and Kobe was the same way. And Kobe always showed up early and always left late, and he was always that guy. He was an assassin, and and like, I think for a global superstar, that was like the first time where you saw a good. Like Kobe didn't even ever put on the fucking facade. Well, of, but Kobe tried. But if you remember, I mean, early on in his career, Kobe, it, it, Kobe was always very aware of. Uh, how important it was to be a basketball icon on and off the court. If you remember his rap career, oh, I mean, like, is he, that he, is he the worst athlete musician? I mean, no, our, no, our I, I take that bad. back. No, he was better than Terrell Owens. Terrell Owens, Terrell is, Owens is bad. No, no, no. Terrell Owens is not bad. Well, Terrell Owens is the worst. Kobe at least was on like a Brian McKnight song, like, and I and it's a good song. Correct me if I'm wrong. He's not a good rapper. Tell me but. what you think. Correct me if I'm wrong. But Iverson actually had some skills. So I thought did, Iverson. And so had, did Shaq. Well, Shaq was in the Fushnickens. That was a legitimate rap, rap act. Yeah, you know. But um, yeah, I think it, I don't know. I think the, the Kobe Jordan parallels are there. Jordan, it's hard because it was a different generation. There was less media involved. But I don't think Jordan was very nice either. No, no, um, no. I don't think he was a very. And Larry Bird is the same. People way. are starting to come out and and talk about like the real Michael Jordan, but that was a different era. Yeah. yeah I mean, he, that doc, I mean that, that, that documentary that's going to come out this summer is going to be pretty wild. Right. That, that and, and look, I'm not saying that Michael Jordan or any, I'm not saying Kobe was any nicer or, or meaner than these other people. Sure. I'm saying that in the generation, in the era of real 24 hour sports media, like all these other guys, they at least try. And, and I know firsthand because I'm a part of the LA media. I wasn't a part of the sports media, but I'm very, very, very close and very trust, I've reached a trustworthy kind of level with a lot of big names in LA sports media. Kobe, there was never an attempt to, he's like, yeah, you're lucky that I'm even in the room with you. I'm not going to fucking be your friend. I'm not, we're not, there's, the media and Kobe, there was always like this, like, I don't want you. You, I know you want me. I don't want your. Well, he fucking- had his favorites, right? I mean, he. I think he was on the put Warzanowski on the on the. Vic the Brick here in and LA. Vic the Brick. Um, like that's and those were he. He had a select few that he would talk yeah. to. But what did you think of the? Uh, what did you think of the Ari Schaffer, uh text? I mean, uh, tweet. You just showed me. I, listen, Ari is an edge lord. That's he's built his career. That's on. a that's a sharp edge. <laughs> yeah, but he, like all these other, there's a lot of comics, especially like internet. YouTube comics that like to be like, 
hashtag savage. And, no, Ari, Ari's fucking crazy. Ari's crazy. Ari dosed Bert Kreischer for for oh yeah with like Molly for or fun, right? For fun, yeah. not because it, they were gonna do a podcast at Bert's house with Bert's family there. And Ari's like, you know, it'd be funny. I I'm gonna surreptitiously put ecstasy in his fucking drink, and he dosed. Bert and and didn't apologize by the way. He's like, yeah, fuck your wife hates me now. Oh well, well thought it would be funny. We had a great day. I, I mean, but he like he likened the guy that didn't. I don't want to read the text wrong. He he likened the guy that didn't fill up quote his chopper with enough gas as a hero. Kobe's chopper. Yeah, like that's heavy. It's fu- I. I think you and me are similar when it comes to like comedians and and the stuff they say. Granted, that wasn't on stage. That was a tweet. But does he, how far, like obviously if he brings up the daughter, it would have been crossing the line, right? I think so. Yeah. There's, okay. What are we talking about? Did it cross Mike Catherwood's personal moral boundaries? Absolutely. But what what's the issue at hand when people say things that are offensive and that are crazy? You got to look at it this way. This is the way I look at it. I'm a big gay rights believer and supporter. I, I, I'm incredibly vocal about the fact that um, there should be marriage equality and, and gay rights should be an absolute priority in this country. But if you want to make, if you own a cake shop and you don't want to make fucking cakes for gay people, it's your business. And how, how, wait, hold on. Now, I'm not saying this is right or wrong. I'm saying this is my personal belief on how. Yeah the kind of libertarian idea I have about the United States of America. And if that's your, and that's how you want to run your business, you think that's a great financial decision to not make cakes for gay people because of your beliefs, do it. And if your place goes out of business because of it and people want to pick it in front, so be it. That's life. So is life. Ari Shafir's cake that he makes, his product, his service is comedy and his persona, his his identity and his, his reputation and his comedy is his service. That is what he does for a living. If this is what he wants to do, and he thinks that this is the best way to represent himself in the media, that's that's his business. And if people want to not show up at his shows because of it, okay. If people want to not follow him on Twitter because of it, okay. The, everyone here has personal freedom and choice. I'm not saying that what Ari Shafir said was right or wrong. I'm not saying it didn't cross my moral boundaries. The guy just died. I don't know if I'd go that hard on him, but that's Ari's decision. It's America. And I, I yeah, about Ari Schiffer, like, and I mostly agree with what you're saying, but uh, I think Ari Schiffer, like tweeting that is a little bit different than somebody refusing service to somebody because of their lifestyle or their race. My point, I think my, that my what, comparison, what, what I'm saying is it Ari's is, different. Ari's is, is it a is little different. less egregious. But, but you got to understand, Ari's tweets, it's kind of his cakes. You understand that his his comment his his comedic and social commentary. That's what he. That's his yeah. service to us, and that's how he makes a living. If that's how he chooses to make his cakes, this is business. And now, if there's fallout and people don't want to fucking support Ari Shapir, that's also his business. If people get behind him and they're like, "Good, finally, someone said that shit," that's his business. You know, we. Absolutely. I, I don't think you know. I don't think any of us, if we're truly living in this quote unquote free country, I don't think any of us have the right to say he shouldn't do that. I I totally agree with you. I think it's a little too much. I think he crossed a, um, I, he, he crossed like one he crossed my far. ethical boundaries. Yeah. But so what? Yeah, I'm with you. You know, he went one sentence too far. If it wasn't like if it wasn't 
if it was just to point out that, listen, this dude, you guys are acting like this guy's Jesus Christ. This guy might have been a rapist. Mm-hmm. Probably wasn't, but might have been. You know, wasn't the the greatest human being off the court. Um, and left it at that. Mm-hmm. It probably would have been a little bit like, okay, that's your opinion. When he goes like, this is the greatest day because this guy died, well, that's when it gets a little rough. I think here... If I can stick up for Ari, and I I do know him, but we're not like chummy. We're not yeah. like, go, but I've had him on Love Line a couple of times and I I bumped into him in like the comedy circles. And and Ari's a, a very smart and likable guy. Really I mean, funny. I, to me, he's always been nice and supportive. I, I, I have nothing personally negative to say about the guy, but, and I, and I don't have any personal knowledge of what he was thinking, but I will say this. As a guy who tries to make a living saying controversial things and being the guy, one of the very vocal voices during the Me Too movement, this whole Me Too thing, to be kind of a middle finger to it and go yeah. like, you guys are getting crazy. This feminist shit is bullshit. He's been, and he got a lot of flack for it. He's like, I think it is a little ironic that everyone is sucking on the teat of Kobe Bryant now when you people are, subo- are the same people that have been shoving the whole fucking... Me too and uh, time's up yep. pink vagina hats down my throat for the last two years. You've been shoving this shit down my throat and you're the same people who show up at the Laker games for the last 20 years going, woohoo, hooray, Kobe. And now you're all about how sad it is to lose a legend. I just, I, I'm pointing out your hypocrisy. And I think that that was much more of the point of his tweet than it was to just be a dick. I have no counter argument there. Mm-hmm. That's a great, that's a great point. And you're right. And do, but do you think like those those uh, those those pink beanie wearing uh, that demo? Do you think that it's because he had three daughters that made it okay? I think and, I, di- and died with one of them. I do think part of it is that we pick and choose. We do. We just pick and choose. Uh, you know, I can't tell you how many how many people, famous people, have. Um, will never recover because they had a domestic abuse situation. And John Lennon just openly talks about, I've got a real anger problem. I've got to stop punching women when I get upset. And Yoko and I was like, yeah, he hits me. Yeah, you know, so fucking he smacks me around. And Sean Lennon's like, yeah, my dad used to, was a violent, angry dude who used to beat people up. And but we're it, all like, oh, John Lennon was a man yeah. of peace. You know, we, we do, we pick and choose. And, and a lot of it has to do with performance at the, you know, John Lennon's, inarguably one of the greatest songwriters that ever walked the planet and Kobe Bryant without question and not open for debate whether you hate the Lakers or not Kobe Bryant's one of the greatest basketball players that's ever set foot on on planet earth where do you put where do you put him uh, I know this isn't a sports podcast but where do you rank him I was thinking objectively. about that objectively I'm trying my hardest because I am a, a Laker fan I put Kobe Bryant probably like fourth that's fair and the greatest of all time where do you got Jordan Jordan, Jordan's the greatest, uh, not only because Russell. of what he does with basketball. Jordan was the greatest because of the whole thing. Yeah. The way, his cultural he, impact, everything about Jordan. He invented the way people play basketball now. And balling. Like things yeah. people forget about. It wasn't just about. Yeah. Like Jordan was the first guy to take the style and the swagger of like a Dr. J and mix it with the utter dominance of a, of a, of a Jerry West, you know, like he, where he was True. a dominant fucking force on the court and off the court. He was, impe- you know, everything about him. He was yeah. handsome. He, and, and by the way, a lot of people forget this, especially people who aren't old enough to be there. 
They forget Jordan wasn't always that guy. First no. couple years, Jordan was puffy fro dookie rope, kind of thuggish Jordan. He was kind of thug. He had the little socks and the dookie rope and the fucking like like a like a little teeny puff fro. And he was he was a little bit more more like yeah, his first two years gangster. out of North Carolina. Yeah, you know, absolutely. he was a little more gangster. He's a little scruffier, but, but he, yeah. he found like this he found this thing where he was it. You know, he this is before Tom Brady. This is before mm. A-Rod. This is before where you had the the fucking baller ass dominant. Well, there's no such thing as like ath an athlete with an image then. Yeah. Um, so you have Jordan, then who 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 are the two above? Kobe? Now I I know people are going to you hate have to on put this. LeBron above them. Oh, uh, LeBron is in there. LeBron is I think probably the third greatest player yeah. ever. I'm people are going to hate on me for this, but I I have an argument. Magic Johnson's the second greatest basketball player ever. I've heard that argument. I think he's well as a Laker, he's probably better. Yeah, he's probably a more prolific Laker as well. But here's why: Magic Johnson was six foot nine, and in the finals, as a, as a rookie, played center yeah. and kicked fucking ass. Took posted people up in the key and could take people. And Magic Johnson was a dominant point guard. Magic Johnson could play power forward in in certain you know would play off of Kareem at times as power forward. Yeah, he was so complete as a basketball player. And this is prior to the LeBrons and the guys that we're seeing now, the the Zion's, where they're you're big and you can do it all. In 1984, he was unparalleled. You'd never seen a guy like that. And and I think that for complete package basketball player, Magic Johnson was, was you know, was the second greatest behind Jordan. I'd put LeBron there, and then I put I would probably put, put Kobe, Kobe four. So Russell doesn't is is number five. I mean, it's so like the Bill Russells and the and the and the um the Wilts. Will Chamberlains yeah. and the Jerry West and the Joe you know, the Hablicheks. I, I don't know. I just don't know. I mean, because not only was I not there, there really isn't like a lot of footage to see. Yeah. And and we all collectively agree that Bill Russell, Will Chamberlain especially, athletically, they were, it wasn't, they, they had no competition. Well, yeah, it's like, yeah. You know, it well, wasn't, yeah, it wasn't. Will. Will was Will, seven, like, and Bill Russell, seven. Bill Russell, you, you, you watch it. He was like, but Bill Russell was like 6'9", too, I think. It, but it something. wasn't about just yeah. the height. It was the fact that Bill Russell was athletically head and shoulders above everyone around him to the point that it wasn't really fair. You know, and so like Will and Bill, I think, like, don't get me wrong. They're in the top 10. They're in the top 10 yeah. greatest players of all time. But sure. And that's why I don't put Shaq. I wouldn't put Will in the top that's 10. That's why I wouldn't put Shaq in the top 10 because Shaq, Ooh. at his time, was... Shaq was an offensive dominant... But... Shaq at his size and his strength, take that away. He wasn't a fundamentally great basketball player. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's why I, I give guys like a— He couldn't shoot free throws, but, I mean, the guy was an amazing He passer, couldn't do great, much great of hand. anything. No, he had great handles, but, yeah. yeah, yeah. But, but no, at his, at his peak, like, what, what was the finals? Was it 99-2000 when they played the Sixers in the finals? Oh, yeah. Okay. I remember an interview with— uh, Larry was, Brown. That was just sad. I believe it was Larry Brown and Larry, Pat Croce. Larry Brown was the coach of the I know, Sixers, but I, yeah. I, I don't know if it was Pat Croce or Larry Brown the interview because Pat Croce was the owner. But they they were doing an interview with someone on the Sixers high up. It was either Larry Brown or Pat Croce. And they're saying, you know, what is what is your prediction going into or what is your strategy going into this finals? And they're like, look, we know Shaq's going to score 30. We, we're, we're just, 
we're getting that yeah. out on the table. There's nothing we can do. We can put five fucking guys on Shaq. He's going to score 30, so let's just get that out on the table, and then let's try to figure out a way to minimize the rest of the damage. And I'd never heard, like, like that's such a crazy dominant level to, to think about. It. And one yeah. player completely skews the strategy of an entire team, you know? They had, they had to change rules because of Shaq. Yep, same like, with Wilt. Do you remember a lot Wilt of, like, too, three seconds yeah, in the key, yeah, a lot of shit? Sure. They widened the key for Wilt, or narrowed it. No, the Kobe thing's sad, and it's I, yeah, they better not change the NBA logo though. If that no, happens, I don't think I'm going to be bitter. I also think Kobe deserves a lot of credit for uh, his efforts in globalization. Like he really did put in the work of like trying to engender um, union unity with other countries and other cultures through sports. Yeah, that's a good point because of his, because, you know, being born in Italy, speaking multiple languages, kind of a, a different, I, that's a really good point. That's and something he, I didn't take and, into consideration. And Kobe wasn't a guy who like, uh, pardon me, the dream team and those guys, you know, Jordan and, and Magic, they did their thing. They'd show up in China and wave a hat. But Kobe was a guy who like, he would get out with the people and like, was like, I'm so excited to be here in China. I know how much yeah. the NBA means to the Chinese people. And we, we respect you. We understand that. And we understand we have a big... Uh, fan base here like he was doing like he rolled up his sleeves and did some work to make basketball this global dominant sport that it is yeah know? i think i think i just go back to you know like the the you know when prince died <clears throat> i have memory good memories growing up with his music mm -hmm. that makes it sad when someone like that dies i don't have good memories with kobe playing basketball no, you have a lot of bad memories i have a lot probably. of bad memories yeah. no, so it's just like cool i have a ton uh, that's, I have a it's ton, really but, sad but here the thing about the lakers with if you're a laker fan and i'm sure there's a lot of other laker fans out there and I need you to be like a real old school Laker fan. A lot of these guys that are 19 and they're Laker fans, they don't hear what I'm saying. But if you grew up in LA, a Laker fan, and you grew up in LA, a Dodger fan, if you're both, you have a different, you have a different relationship with both teams, okay? How I how you talk about Prince's music, that's how I feel about Fernando Valenzuela and Mike Piazza, where I like I have this euphoric recall yeah, to, <laughs> you know, like, you know, the, like dominant Dodgers, it was because the Lakers, you knew since you, since I was three years old, I knew the Lakers were the shit. And I knew they always, they always balled. They always had this air of, of dominance. So you, it's almost like being a Yankee fan or a Manchester U fan. Like you, it, it's this, you, you looked at them as something separate than you. Sure. With the Dodgers, you're from, like, those are my boys down there. You know, there was times when they struggled and they made it. Then there was the underdog 88 team that came out that rose up to take out the crazy dominant A's. And they were, to they were like 5,000 point underdogs. And they, and you know, Gibson with the, with the Hollywood moment home run to win game one. Was that that game? I was too. Seven-year-old Shane was at that game. I was an eight-year-old Mike but was I there. Was, uh, I was an A's fan. I was not happy. And um, so the the Dodgers was like more of a, you had like a, an intimate relationship with them. The Lakers, they were like, they were like the crazy high school, uh, the high school quarterback prom king. Yeah. You know, you're like, yeah, they're dope. Yeah, I'm a Laker fan. It's awesome. Well, they've yeah. always just been so flashy and easy to like, yeah. right? It's the, you, it went from Showtime Lakers, they had a, that lull, but even when they had that lull, it was like Nick Van Exel and Eddie Jones and... Uh, when Nick Van Exel and Cedric Sabalos were the Sabalos ballers, was dope. that was a know, rough time. But they, nothing, they never made the playoffs, nothing, but nothing is happened. rough. No, nothing is rough as post Shaq, early, mid-2000s. They was, still were making the playoffs, though. Yeah, they but were like just, the Kwame Brown, the Kwame Brown, like... <laughs> it, was, it was just Lamar and Kobe for like two years, right? Yeah, that was rough. Until, that they, was got, until they got Pow, yeah, it was... It was that, was a, that was a tough road to hoe.
Yeah. And uh, what's his name? Andrew Bynum. That was a tough road Bynum? to hope. Yeah. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Do you, do you think they should have uh, canceled the game tonight? I don't know. That was a little, that was a little weird to me. I think I, I actually think, and maybe I'm just being overly optimistic. I actually think they did it because the players were so sad. LA and LA, the Clipper and the Laker fans, or excuse me, Clipper and Laker players, we saw how all NBA players were affected by this. The, the Lakers Nick game that night, those dudes were torn up. Yeah, Kyrie didn't even play. And I don't know if Laker and Clipper players, I don't know if they're emotionally equipped to play. I, I maybe I, I honestly think that's the reason, more so than Respect like the, the optics, family, yeah. yeah, the optics, yeah. you know. But it would have been pretty funny though if the Clippers just would have smashed them out, because you know Kawhi doesn't give a fuck. No, no, and and they still have to go to work. Yeah, and their job is to beat the Lakers. So I, 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 you know, I don't expect anyone to not to to like cut them some slack because of Kobe. I, like, you have a job to do. You get paid to fucking win. You know, crush. Uh, we got to take a real quick break and we'll get into some other definitely more happy shit with uh, Shane Gilmore and also I believe Ryan Jaso will be joining us as well here on High and Dry. Welcome back to High and Dry. Ryan Jaso will not be joining us because he's doing actual work. Something like that. Keeping control forever alive. Something like that. And if you're listening to this, I'm joined by... Shane Gilmore, co-founder of Control Forever, and um, they're the people behind it and above and beyond high and dry. If you're a fan, you should also check out everything that Control Forever has to offer because it's uh, an, it's really, really impressive high-level content through and through. So controlforever.com and uh, Control Forever on YouTube. How about uh, Stephen A. Smith, Conor McGregor? You want to dive into that? Sure. Okay, I'd love to. Because there's a lot of good, there's if there's a lot, there's so many good examples of this happening. You know, polished sports guy gets put into do a sport that he has no he has no idea what the fuck he's right. talking about. Uh, I referenced tennis earlier. Yes. It happens in tennis all the time. Yes. They put like a college football announcer, you know, on the U.S. Open next to John McEnroe, and the two people are speaking completely different languages. Yes, this is a little bit different though because you're. I'm assuming you're referencing the video he released of him boxing. <laughs> Here, okay, here's my problem. You're exactly right. Stephen A. Smith literally knows zero about zero. fighting. He knows nothing about combat sports. He's never, clearly never thrown a punch and probably never been punched. And he has n clearly never been in any type of formal training because he throws a punch like my five-year-old daughter throws a baseball. Like you're like, well, that's impossible. How did you even do it so poorly? How, how could you even conceive of a world where you think your body should move that way? Why was his train and then his trainer too, like the the mitts, like who what is he punching somebody's knees? Who's more at fault there? Stephen A. Smith or the oh, trainer? Probably listen, a real trainer, like a real guy, that's the thing, is that unfortunately, okay, it's a double-edged sword. Boxing, kickboxing, amazing ways to work up a sweat and get get your exercise in without the boring drudgery of like the 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 treadmill or the fucking elliptical. Okay, yeah. I definitely encourage people if you find boxing to be a great um, uh, stimulating way to get your exercise in, you should do it. But because boxing and kickboxing have now been adopted by fitness as opposed to just the skills based, there's a lot of dudes and gals out there who have no business holding mitts. 
that are out there training people. They have no, holding mitts is not something that you just pick up and you do. It takes, it takes as much training as actually fighting. Being a good mitt holder is something that takes years to develop the skills and the proper ability to do it well. And it's not something you can just throw them on and be like, Oh, one, two, one, two, let's go. Let's do it. You have to understand properly the like the dimensions of your of your of your fighter and uh the level of recoil for for someone's power. It's really difficult. Um I've done it. I'm terrible at it. I know it is not easy to do. Um holding the mitts, you're saying not boxing. Holding the mitts yeah. is tough. It's really tough. Um so that there's that. So he's probably one of those guys, and it, it, a real fight trainer, a real trainer, a real coach isn't going to allow Stephen A. Smith to put up that video, is or, it? Or, or ESPN, for that matter. Right. Like, ESPN isn't, there's not producers at ESPN, like, Steve. So, don't do that. But here's here's Cause my... Because that, that hurts their ratings, too. I completely disagree with everything Stephen A. Smith said about Donald Cerrone. Okay? I, I, I completely disagree. What exactly disagree. did he say? He said that he let everybody down, he shit the bed in That's his right. first pay-per-view headlining fight, he didn't rise to the occasion, and blah, blah, blah. Wrong. Wrong, wrong, wrong. But... Here's the thing, and it's not just because it's MMA and it's because I actually know what I'm talking about and Stephen A. Smith clearly doesn't. Stephen A. Smith is, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, the highest paid sports broadcaster in the world. And Stephen A. Smith did not get to become the highest paid sports broadcaster in the world for having a measured and balanced opinion. Stephen A. Smith no. became Stephen A. Smith for going, Michael Jordan is not respected the way he should be because he's a black man. And if you don't agree, it's your fault for not having your eyes open. He's always been the guy who's had the really controversial takes. And Stephen A. Smith knows that. He's a smart, smart guy. And he sat down and he said, what can I say about Conor McGregor, Donald Cerrone, that everybody else isn't saying and that's going to get me a lot of buzz? I guarantee you that's what happened. And they, they pay him millions of dollars to not be a middle-of-the-road guy. I, I, it's, it's no different. Modern sports broadcasting is no different than modern political commentary. You don't get any currency by having a very measured, well-thought-out, thoughtful take. You better, if you're on NBC, you better go hard on Trump and talk about how the fucking world is going to explode because of global warming and the Republicans are deniers of it and they're they're just as bad as as Pol Pot. If you're on Fox News, you got to go in on yeah. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez so hard that she needs to be kicked out of Congress today because she's bringing down the entire structure of this great nation that we call the United States of America. You have to do that. If you go in and say, well, I can really see both angles here and we should analyze how we can... Uh, kind of find uh, the best through line because as in most things the answer is probably right in the middle. You don't get you, you don't get to be on TV and get the millions of dollars doing that. Well, similar to what we were just talking about the Archfer. Yeah. I mean, it's it's the same thing. But the the funny thing going back to Stephen A Smith is if you remember, he was huge in the late 90s and early 2000s in the Kobe and the Iverson era. Mm -hmm. He kind of died off for a while and he got popular again by kind of being the counterbalance to Colin Coward. Yep. Before Coward left to go to Fox. Yep. Um, and then he he got popular again. And now he's just fucking crazy. Uh, I mean, he says shit all the time uh, about basketball. It makes zero sense too. Right. So. I Look, I think that I, his take was wrong. I can, I can systematically dismantle yeah. it. But I do think that behind the scenes, it's much like those characters on The Bachelor. 
You ever watch The Bachelor and you're like, why would a woman say, why would she even fucking say that? Trust me, there was three producers right before they went on camera that said, this is what you need to say and this is why you need to say it. Yeah, but that doesn't, like, why would it, but going back to posting that video, that video is not his point of view. That video is showing how, how uh, physically he doesn't know anything about fighting. No. And it's just embarrassing. It is. Like, no, they, it's worse than the average. Look, I'm not, I'm not fucking uh, marvelous Marvin Hagler. I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm still, uh, I, I need a lot more thoracic mobility. I need to keep my head movement better. You know, my kicks are pretty high level, but my, you know, my boxing, my hands aren't the most fluid. Well, I'm way better than Stephen A. Smith. But my point being, everyone, unless you're a professional, can use some work. You know, can use sure. it. No one is is completely fluid unless you've devoted the time to do it. What he showed was like you've ne you've literally never thrown a punch in your no. life. Your your body's never moved that way. You've never even com comprehended the idea of torquing your hips and throwing with power. Like he was like, it it looked like it looked like someone who can fight doing a bit, yeah, about how people come into the gym that can't fight. That it literally yeah, it looked, looked like that an bad. Imitation. It looked like someone trying to make it look like he's shitty. Did you? Were you surprised uh, that Connor beat Cowboy up that bad? Yes, I was too. I I I I, I really put, thought it was going to be. I a put my fight. proverbial. I didn't bet, but I put my proverbial money on Connor. I thought he was oh, going to win, but uh, Donald Cerrone is one of the most durable fighters there is. But here's something I did remember with like the Rafael dos Anjos fight. Um, escaping me oh the darren till fight um donald i think has had his nose broken so many times that if he gets a good crack there he he, he is prone to just like calling it a day and 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 covering up because um those shoulder strikes and this is chael sonnen's take on it not mine but i i think he's right and he said something very interesting about uh connor and the and the cerrone fight um he gave a, a uh, an example from his own life and his own training. He said, I had come up through uh, high school, college wrestling at the highest level possible. I'd even trained with the Olympic team. I was, uh, I was one of the better wrestlers in the world. And I had been in thousands of wrestling competitions. I went to do one of my first international um, competitions and flew overseas to somewhere in the Eastern Bloc. And one of the... Hungarian uh, fighters raked my face in a way that I'd never experienced it. At a high level, you go in with this idea of, okay, he can do this to me. He's going to have this takedown. There's a potential of me being in this position. There's a potential of me being in that position. If something happens to you in the middle of a fight that you never in a million years comprehended even happening, you in no way mentally and emotionally prepared for it to happen, like Connor <clears throat> taking his shoulder bone and smashing it into your nose so hard that it shatters, it not only hurts you physically, it completely throws you off your game. Uh, he used the um, example of uh, the first Mike Tyson Evander Holyfield fight, mm. where Mike Tyson definitely took strikes that hurt way more than Evander Holyfield's headbutts in the clinch. But it was the way that Evander Holyfield was headbutting him that Mike Tyson had never been he'd never been headbutted like that before in his years and years and years of fighting. We know so because immediately after the fight. He talked about nothing else. He was like, oh, he's headbutting me. The way he was headbutting me, the ref couldn't see it. And he was smashing, he was dragging his face across my head and it fucked me up. 
it completely threw Mike Tyson for a loop because he yeah. never envisioned that happening. All the hours and hours of tape he watched, all the all the preparation and the mental and physical preparation he did, he never accounted for that. And Donald Cerrone definitely accounted for Connor's left hand from hell. He definitely accounted for Connor's amazing side kicks. That side front kick is fucking amazing. And Connor's, you know, improved takedown defense. Believe me, all of that was factored in. He never in a million years thought that he was going to lower his level and smash his shoulder into his face. And Donald was done after that, mentally. Then, Conor McGregor head kicked him. And this is what I need people to understand. Not just Stephen A. Smith. Everyone in the world, if you have never been in fights, and I don't mean fights on the street, I mean like in, in, in organized combat. And I'm not, again, I'm not fucking... John Wayne Parr, but I've done, I've been in smokers. I've been in Muay Thai fights. I've been in competition in striking. I've been in a couple boxing matches. It's not like basketball. It's not like football. It's not like tennis. It's not like baseball. It's not like anything else in the world where there is a move that ends the game. Yeah. Okay. You can dunk on a dude and it's demoralizing, but it's still 38, 40 and you got 20 minutes to play. You continue. There is things that can happen in a fight where it's over. It doesn't matter how hard you worked. It doesn't matter how good of a fighter you are. If Conor McGregor gets his hips moving and over your guard smashes his fucking head, uh, his foot into your face, the fight is over. You're not, there's nothing, it's not like open for debate. It's not like, oh, he could have gritted it out. He could have prepared for that. Work the technique. No, the, the fight's over. Donald was fucking dead on his feet. Covered up, and Connor then hit him with an insane left hand, and the fight was over. Donald Cerrone didn't do anything not to prepare. Donald Donald Cerrone got in there, and he lost the fight. He didn't not show up. He didn't not rise to the occasion. A better fighter fucking got a hold of him and smacked him, and he was KO'd. He it was, lost. It was a great show for Connor. Yeah, it really was because you didn't. That was never the know. best. Connor's that was the best paydays. That was the best Connor I've seen, except for the Eddie Alvarez fight. The yeah. Eddie the Eddie Alvarez fight looked like a video game. I couldn't believe that. Yeah, that was when I for even everybody was with the Aldo KO, and I was like, yeah, but he's he has a he has the touch of death, and he caught he caught Aldo. I don't know, we don't know. After that Eddie Alvarez fight, I was like, okay, this guy's for real. It's not yeah. hype. He's a fucking machine. It's great for the UFC though that he won too. Hell yeah, I I I, I lost money on the fight. I thought I thought Cerrone would at least take it to a decision and and probably lose. But what's so who's kind of going to fight next? Who are they saying? I don't he's know. Fight next? There's, I, there's I hear talk, rumblings about it like a Mayweather fight again. There's talk about Masvidal. There's talk about Gaethje. Oh, I hope he There's talk Masvidal. about the Nate Diaz. He's not going to get in the ring with Masvidal, or knocked out with Masvidal. Why not? Masvidal's going to crush him. You don't know that. I, I don't. You, can't, right, you can't take a guy as, as devastating a striker as Connor and say that. Now, again, if we were to bet. That'd be a great fight. If we were to bet, I'd put my money on Masvidal. Oh, be a nice He's fight. a tough fucker and, and naturally a lot bigger, I think, than Connor. But you can't, you can't just say it. Connor McGregor's like Tom Brady and Bill Belichick when they're together. You could say on paper there, but don't 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 count them out. Don't in no way count that fucker out. You know, yeah, it's great for the UFC because you need you need the John Jones, you need the Conor McGregor's, absolutely, you need these guys, you need these guys to win. Uh, so and and I think more so than John Jones, you need Conor because John Jones is the greatest fighter that's ever. John Jones has no one. The to greatest fight. MMA fighter yeah. that's ever lived, and anybody who denies that is is wrong in my opinion. <laughs> You're just wrong. Yeah. Uh, he's pound for pound the greatest MMA fighter we've ever seen. But my mom doesn't know John Jones. 
You know what I'm saying? Like Connor and Ronda, but that's are, only because of the Connor, Mayweather fight. Connor and Ronda are super important to the sport, no matter what you think of them in ring, because they they transcend everything. My mom, if you, Conor McGregor was on Kelly and Ryan, she'd be like, "Oh, look, it's Conor McGregor." You know what I'm saying? Like John Jones should be like, "Who's that guy?" That's because of the Mayweather fight. It's because of a lot of things. It's because yeah, of the personality. personality. It's because of the, and Ronda. It's because of her dominance and the fact that she was the female, first female and she was so pretty. But either way, all I'm saying is, is for the sport, for the organization of the UFC, Connor, Connor's it. Because Ron is not fighting again, no matter what you think. And, and I think Masvidal can become a Connor figure. He's so fun. He's so fun. He's so funny. He's kooky as shit. Yeah. He's a, just a b- bizarre man. Um, he's kind of handsome. He's, you know, he's a handsome dude. He's got swagger. He's got weird swag. He's got the, he's yeah. got the Latino community behind him. He could be a, 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 a huge... Now, I'll tell you, another guy on the rise right now, the problem is he speaks English like shit. He speaks English... He makes uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger look like the Queen Elizabeth is Paulo Costo. Paulo Costo is a dime piece that murked one of the dangerous, most dangerous fighters on the planet. He went five rounds and just absolutely fucking proved himself to be an elite level fighter. And, and Paulo Costo is a... Dime piece. He looks like he should be a fucking Gucci model. And, uh, but the problem is, he gets on the mic and he's like, oh, my friend, you're like, what the fuck is this guy saying? Yeah, same with Habib, and people are still interested in him. Not, not, not the I'm general so, public. The well, general public. Habib's a heel. The general so public gives two shits about Habib. People who give any, who are even casual fans of fighting, love Habib Nurmagomedov because he's riveting. He's, a, he's, he's a fucking assassin who grew up in Dagestan with people dying around him and fighting has been his life since he was a fucking boy and he wrestled bears in his off time and there's video of it and I'm not fucking kidding. It's real life. His dad was this amazing combat sports legend that harnessed him out of steel since he was a boy. He's like Bane. He grew up in this fucking mountain town with no resources and no hope and no future for anything else except for being this chiseled fucking machine of death and and he doesn't care about money he doesn't care about fame he wants to beat the fuck out of people and he wants to fucking pray that's it he cares about Allah and beating the fuck out of people that's it he's a fucking awesome machine he's an assassin yeah he's great he's but he's like the perfect heel yeah he really is yeah he's Muslim he's got everything to be the perfect heel I always mix it is it Habib or Khabib because I see it pronounced both ways both there's both for for like three years, in the buildup of Khabib, it was Khabib. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, he was, he chokes Connor to death, and he's Habib. Habib, yeah. I don't know what happened, but even Dana, pre-fight, Khabib, 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 Khabib. At, immediately after the fight, post post conference, he's like, and Habib obviously showed what he did, you know. But this is a big disaster. Obviously, we don't like the outside of the anti. I'm like, what Habib? When did it? When did it change? I don't know. It just did. It just did. Yeah. I- I, I I would like to see him fight soon. Uh, he's he's a, he's, he's a, injured, isn't he? Or something? I don't know. The suspension's up. The suspension? Are you sure? That was a six month suspension. I could be wrong though. Either way, uh, who does Habib fight? He's another one though. He's getting into John Jones well, territory. He, it's like who does he you, fight? He's going. Oh, uh, he's Masvidal fighting. Would be great. He's fighting Ferguson on April. In April, oh, you right, he's he fighting Tony Ferguson April eighth. I'd believe. love to see him Masvidal fight. Habib? Yeah, yeah. I do, but do, listen, Tony Ferguson is the absolute best person. He is the quintessential fighter to take out Habib. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying he will, because 
Habib's a, a he's a machine. But Tony Ferguson is fucking insanely dangerous off his back. Insanely dangerous. He locks up uh, submissions off his back that most people can't even dream of. And Habib's going to try to take him down and grind him out like he does every every opponent. And Tony's going to be like, okay, let's yeah. do this. Let's go to the ground. Get me on my back and let's see what happens. He also has devastating strikes with his elbows and his knees. And he's so athletic and durable. He's not going to be one of these guys that that mentally and emotionally breaks in the first round like almost all of Habib's opponents. What he did to Edson Barbosa, it looked like a, like a Saw movie. He, you know, Edson was just like trying to get up and Habib's grinding him back down to the ground off the cage and fucking grounding and pounding. It, and it, it was, I believe, who I think it was Michael Johnson where Habib's actually telling him, he's like, just give up. Just give up. This is not good. You're not, there's, please just give up. It's over. This fight is over. And he's fucking hitting him. It's, he's, he's brutal. But another thing that I think is interesting, not enough people are talking about. Um, look at the last seven, eight opponents of Tony Ferguson's. Every one of them looked like they looked like they just got done uh, doing like a string of fucking um, open heart surgeries. Their whole face is completely covered from every inch is covered in blood because he's got these sharp elbows and he just opens people up. Every single opponent, go, honestly, go Google last seven opponents of Tony Ferguson post-fight. All covered in blood. They're fighting this fight at MSG. New York has a good history of doctor stoppages due to bleeding. They seem to be, historically speaking, the place that's the most gun-shy when it comes to cuts. Doctor stoppages, New York, the New York Athletic Commission seems to be really, really... Um, really sensitive about yeah. about blood. I wouldn't be surprised if that factors in. There's no way McGregor fights him again, right? Maybe. I think he has to. If he wants if he wants this, you think you have to, well yeah, I think if he wants this legacy of him being one of the greatest combat sports athletes, if he wants this Muhammad Ali type legacy, you can't have a guy beat you down and then just not fight that's him again. That's what I mean. Uh, McGregor is never going to have that legacy. He's going to have the legacy of, of the, maybe the showman aspect. I disagree. You think so? Conor McGregor gets another couple wins under his belt and then comes back and beats Habib Nurmagomedov. He's, he's going to be, he will be rock star athlete. He will be in that Muhammad Ali Yeah, he's not beating, he's not beating Khabib. We don't know. Khabib dismantled him. He absolutely beat the like shit out was, of him. He absolutely beat the shit out of him. You, you, no doubt about it. But Conor McGregor's an elite athlete. He can work on his game. Guys who train with him are some of the best grapplers in the world. Dylan Dennis is no joke. And he's like, obviously he's a teammate. He's a friend, so he's going to say shit. But he's like, no, trust me, Conor, Conor is going to become a don. He's no joke. I can't. I can't fuck with the guy. He's tough. He's a tough grappler and he's an amazing athlete and he will learn and get better. That's un that's unequivocal. He is such a talented athlete and he works so hard, he will get better at grappling. Also, Conor McGregor has a no ifs, ands, or buts, not open for debate, fucking touch of death. And Khabib did beat the shit out. He absolutely beat the shit out of him. It was an it was a lopsided fight. It doesn't change the fact. It doesn't change biology. If Connor gets a clean left on Habib, he's going to win the fight. The only person I've ever seen withstand clean shots from Connor is Nate, and that's why he won. Not because he gassed, not because Connor had never been prepared. He's such a f fast twitch athlete that he, you know, in the first couple of rounds, he just destroys people. And Nate was the only person who was durable enough to last. And next thing you knew, it was like 
he he dragged Connor into deep waters and he couldn't take it. But Connor can easily crack Khabib. I mean, that's real. That can happen. Sure. And there was there was a round in the fight if you go back and watch it where where Connor started to have there's about forty seconds get into he yeah. got he started getting his rhythm. Yeah, you're right. If I go back and look at it, it was it was a lopsided beating. It was it was absolutely it was impressive. Beating. It really was impressive. Oh yeah. But I I'd be excited. I don't know if Conor McGregor ever fights Habib Nurmagomedov again. I will say if he wants what he wants, and I know he wants that. He wants that Michael Jordan. Uh, Muhammad Ali status. And if he wants that, he's got to do it. You can't have a guy fucking beat you down and then never fight him again. You know? Yeah, true. <laughs> That's my whole take on that. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> Another thing is like, I really liked this new Connor emotionally. That's that's what, that was the most, impre- that, that was the most shocking thing for me in this fight because I mentioned it really quick at the beginning, but you just don't know how driven these guys are going to be after they get paid the levels that Connor's been paid and how long he's been fighting. Right. Um, when I say how long, within the context of UFC, mixed martial arts, he's had a long career. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, he's he's as sharp as ever. I what mean, I will say, what I will say though, is that even before this this new change in Connor, where he was a little bit more humble. A little bit more. He still had the arrogance. He still had the brashness where he's like, oh, proper whiskey comes in the big fucking tooth of the big motherfucker. That was awesome. But at the same time, he was also like, Donald's a great fighter. I just, I, uh, he hugged his grandma. Yeah. Uh, you raised a good boy. You know, I know how much he means to you. It's like, you know, that was a new side of him. But you also got the, the, the shit we like. But what I'm saying is, here's the thing that I always found special about Connor. There's always been guys who whoop ass and talk shit. There's always been guys. There's been guys arguably better than him at doing it. Conor McGregor impressed me so much after the Diaz loss because all that shit talking, all that lead up, all the I'm the greatest, I didn't come here to take uh, take part, I came here to take over, and he gets choked out in a rather rudimentary way. It wasn't yeah. like he, like Nate had to work hard for that rear naked. He gets choked out and immediately after the fight, no equivocation, I wasn't, it was I wasn't the better man tonight. Nate came to fight and he was better than I was. And uh, I uh, I only do two things. I either win or I learn and I'm going to come back a better fighter. And uh, everyone, you know, my hat's off to Nate Diaz tonight. It was in glaring contrast to someone like, like look at Ronda Rousey, how she handled the Holly Holm. Yeah. Like, where it was like, I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want to do, I'm, I'm going to go into seclusion. Yeah, that was a weird showing. That was a really weird showing for somebody that was a champion like Ronda Rousey. You it just like Connor really did. He lost like a champion. But do you think Connor was a little shook after the Khabib thing? The way how that how yeah. how the the theatrics outside of the ring that's always made him so much money, uh, it got real for I a minute. I don't do you know think if that it shook was, him a little. Bit? I don't know if it was the theatric outside of the. We can't say. I why wouldn't it? Because we're not talking about normal. Your mom's a bitch. Shit talking. He was insulting him on a deep level. Yeah. In ways insinuating that he and his team were international terrorists sure. that are responsible for acts of terrorism. He said that his wife, who was in a traditional Muslim garb, he tweeted, your wife's a towel. Yeah. Um, we're talking serious disgrace, disgraceful, disrespectful shit talking. And then that breaks out. You might be in the position of thinking, am I going to get assassinated? I well, mean that's, that's really I mean. so I I could see how it would but I think what 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 more shook Connor was that he had lost before 
but he had lost like a normal person loses. He still had this air of invincibility. He still had the Connor thing. He went 12, what was it, eight rounds with the greatest boxer that had ever lived and never had a professional boxing fight. He went like eight, like seven or eight rounds and, and did okay. He, uh-huh. had, he internally had an air of invincibility. And then Habib Nurmagomedov didn't beat him, fucking dismantled him. And I think that that scares you where you're like, oh my, oh my God, I'm a human being. Wait a second. This, I, I, I thought, I thought I was, I thought I was a rock star super being. Yeah. I just wonder with those guys because of, you know, since Ali and you talked about, there's been guys that have been much better at talking shit than Conor McGregor. Not, not many, but, but there, there have been guys. I don't think that the, like a lot of this stuff isn't uh, premeditated and it just ramps up and wraps up and wraps up. And in most cases, like someone like Connor, you're getting rewarded for it with a paycheck, yeah. right? He's a lot of the reasons, uh, you know, I was talking to, I was interviewing Rampage one time and he, when I asked him, you know, most overrated fighter ever, uh, he said Connor, like without thinking twice. Uh, he's been rewarded for his personality. And this was a scenario that ramped up a little bit out of his control inside of the ring, yeah. possibly even like you're talking about, like, you know, worrying about his life maybe. Um, I just wonder if that really that that's got to because he was a lot more uh, contained. Yeah, absolutely. In the, in the absolutely. stuff with with cowboy and um, you know, yeah, that that shit can bring you back down to life for sure. I mean, you and I can only speculate because we'll never be in that. Yeah. I mean, that level of heat is whew, yeah, it's crazy. crazy. But you know, I will say when we, I I'm responsible for doing it too. I've done it twice on this podcast. The Ali comparisons. We got to check ourselves on that because mm-hmm. you, people forget Muhammad Ali what, didn't become Muhammad Ali because of boxing. He didn't become Muhammad Ali because of his showboating and his t- shit talking. Muhammad Ali became Muhammad Ali because more so than any athlete in the hit, maybe Jesse Owens is an argument, but more so than any other athlete um, was a culturally, socio-politically important figure. He yeah. was a black man who at the height of his career absolutely eschewed wealth and fame and everything because he said, I'm not going overseas to fight uh, to fight the Viet Cong. And he drew a line in the sand as one of the most famous people on the planet. And he gave it all up for the sake of the Vietnam War and for the sake of, of civil rights and for the sake of something he believed in. Um, that is insane. You know, like you got to understand how important that is to the history of the United States, let alone the history of sports, shit talking, all that aside. He is a a cultural linchpin to the development of our country. Yeah, they'll they'll never be, uh, opportunity is probably the wrong word, but uh, they'll never be the opportunity for an athlete to be like Muhammad Ali again, I don't think. Right, right. You know, people in a, to a a lesser extent, um, what was uh, the basketball players? Shreef. uh, Abdul Rahim. Was it Shreef Abdul Rahim? Or... Abdul Rauf. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That basically got kicked out of the league because he wouldn't, after he became Muslim, he didn't want to stand up for the for the national anthem. Right. Those are his beliefs. Yep. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, uh, I think about, and this is- Pat Tillman, obviously. Pat Tillman. I think about even Chappelle to yeah. a certain extent, you know, who, who put his money where his mouth is and just like, nah. Yep. Now, granted, Chappelle wasn't facing prison time or- Well, and, like and that, also but. Chappelle had, had fuck you money at that point. Um, Did he have fuck you money at that point? He had already because signed he, like a hundred and twenty-five million dollar contract, but he had only he had only fulfilled one year of the contract. Okay, I don't know. He I had mean, money. I'm not, no I'm, not, I'm not trying to um, belittle what Chappelle did. You're right, but but nothing. I don't know if we'll ever be faced with a 
certainly an athlete. Yeah, not like to to do like what, Ma- what what Muhammad Ali meant yeah. to um to like I said to, beyond sports beyond beyond showmanship what he meant for the, for the actual the, the structure of what we see in modern America is is it's hard to put to mention he was into just, words uh, the the theatrics of being a perpetual underdog mm-hmm. and beating Foreman like that and beating you know listing like that yeah. and be it was just there's no i don't know that you you're never we're never going to have a sports figure like that again yeah i don't i just don't know if 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 society's structured that. no it's not it would honestly you guys got to understand imagine if imagine if like I, I can't say tom brady because he's he's a white guy but who would be who would be an nfl player a black nfl player like that that's just considered Top one percent. I mean, you right now you have Patrick Mahomes, Cam Newton. You could Cam say. Newton. Okay. Cam Imagine Newton, if Cam Newton did at, at this point in his career did what Kaepernick was doing. That would be similar. Exactly. So I Which mean, was don't always me, the I ain't shitting. I ain't shitting on Kaepernick, but he let's let's be realistic. He, he was, was at a point in his career where he was already probably not going to be uh, having wealth and fame and development. If Muhammad Ali did it as the heavyweight champion of the world and one of the most famous people on the planet. So if Cam Newton right now gave up all his wealth and everything to say, I'm not, I'm not playing in a league that's going to force me to stand up for the national anthem, that's how important it is. That would be crazy. You know, yeah. like that's how crazy it is. But even then though, he wouldn't be facing prison time. No, no. That's, that, that just takes And Muhammad Ali was like, and he was like, like in public, he's like, take me to prison. In Fuck front it. of the Supreme Court? Yeah. That's crazy. And, 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 we also don't get how crazy the 60s was. He was saying that in a time when it was very realistic yeah. to think he would just get shot and killed. Or, yeah. JFK was this controversial figure that potentially could have uh, been um, having time. His family certainly came up through the history of bootlegging and he had this these ties to Cuba and the Soviets and there was all this kind of controversy surrounding JFK shot in the face. Martin Luther King as the civil rights leader who is who is constantly, perpetually saying that nonviolent uh, resistance is the only way to go. It's the only way to have sustainable change. Shoot him in the face. Uh, Malcolm X, this controversial, riveting figure who's standing up for what he's believing. The CIA plots his assassination. JFK's brother says, I'll take the baton from, from my brother because he was this controversial figure that I believe in. And I'm going to go even further and take on the mafia. And this is going to be the Rico statute is going to what I'm going to base myself around. Shot in the face. The guy who shot JFK shot in the fucking body on TV. Yeah. The 60s was preposterous. And the guy that shot him hung hung himself in jail. Yes. Like. It's insane. It's like everything. People think this Epstein stuff's crazy. Go to the, look at the 60s. Yeah. Like. It's it's, true. And then a guy went to the, a crew of dudes said, we're going to go to the moon and walk on it. It's fucking insane it how is. crazy the world was. That, yeah. a, it is insane. <laughs> All right. Good podcast. Wild. Yeah, man. Thanks uh, for having me Everybody on. tweet uh, Jason. Let him know he should be feeling better. Feel better, Jason. Tweet Katie at Underwear Wolf. Let her know how cool she is. And uh, again, Control Forever is- Control Forever. Uh, Listen to Neon Black every yep. Thursday. And my new podcast. Yes. Mikey Likes You. By the time this goes live- Mikey Likes You should be available everywhere podcasts are available. Mikey Likes You, at Mikey Likes You 1 on Twitter and Instagram. It is a health and fitness-based podcast, and uh, it's more than just like uh, pumping iron and, and eating, bro- eating protein. It's really about comprehensive health, mental health, addiction, relationships, 
all that kind of stuff. Uh, I believe in it. Uh, I think it's good. So there you go. I know we're supposed to wrap real quick, but so is this, so you're going to, that, that's, because you've done, you've done a lot of health podcasts before, right? Uh, uh, well, I only, one with Drew. I only did one specific one before and it was with Dr. Drew called the Swole Patrol, which I liked, which was great. And Dr. Drew's really, um, people don't Shredded. know until Shredded. you meet him. Dr. Drew loves lifting weights yeah. and loves dieting and being buff. Um, but Dr. Drew is really in a very courageous way, especially for a guy who's known for being like a celebrity doctor. He's kind of throwing it all away to take on this homelessness situation head on. Uh, he's going to the White House pretty frequently. I don't know if you guys saw his Instagram with a picture of him. Yeah. Oh, I have the best story to tell before we wrap this yeah. up. So any of you guys, you as well, all you cameramen here, all you nice producers in the other room, if you know me at all, if you've been a listener to The Jason Ellis Show, to Kevin and Bean, to Loveline, to High and Dry, you know that I love texting people disgusting images oh. to shock them. It's one of my favorite things to do. I love it. One of my favorite people to do it to is Dr. Drew Pinsky because he's such a stately, respectable figure. And I know that he goes, oh, oh, when I send him these pictures, okay? Not just him, I'd do that too. I understand. I send Dr. Drew a horrible collection of pictures, okay? There's some poop involved. There's some anal prolapse, just to give you an idea. Dr. Drew will always, for 10 years, will respond, yummy, or that's a that person's not having a good day, or... Wow, I didn't know it could be that red. Whatever. He always has some pithy remark. This time, he writes, stop. Stop. You get a fucking mind. So take, I get three more images. Boom. I see the little thing come up where he's typing. Yeah. No, seriously, stop it. Not right now. I go, Okay, sorry, dude. Put my phone away. Stop thinking about it. And I'm like, what could he be doing? Is he, is he with his daughter? What, what, why is he all fucking sensitive now? Open up Instagram, and there's a picture of Dr. Drew Pinsky and the President of the United wow. States of America in the White House. And you're sending him butthole pictures. So an hour or two goes by. I go, oh my God, I'm so sorry. He said, you don't even know how bad it was. I had my phone out and was talking to Mike Pence to show him studies that I had about homelessness and health. I'm talking to the vice president of the United States and you send me a picture of a collapsed asshole with, with jizz flying out of it. It was horrible. That's amazing. Luckily, it just came up on the top, you know, where it's like the little thing at the very top. It's like, ding. And he saw it was for me and like immediately swiped up. But he said, you, you have no idea how bad that could have been. That's That that one up to your Olivia Munn story. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah that's, by, that's a million, by a million Mike percent. Oh, all right. Great episode. Good job. Pow. High and dry. Thanks. <laughs>